The following program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace. So, Pastor, why do I still have to go to church? The 18-year-old asked me. A couple weeks ago, a graduating senior from our ministry, a young man who had been raised in an incredible family, he had the courage to call me up and ask that honest question, Pastor, why would I still go to church? And he gave me permission to share the conversation with you. He said that he and a bunch of his classmates who had attended a Christian school for years, if not a decade plus, Teenagers who had been sitting in, in chairs like this, in a church like this, for not one or two years, but for many of them 18 plus. Why would we still go? They asked each other. And he told me as they sat around the campfire and, and honestly wrestled with that question, why our freshman year, throughout our college years, would we keep coming to a place like this? He said, not a single guy in that circle could come up with a compelling answer. See, that young man had heard me talk many times in our church about this picture that we love to put up, that roots produce fruit. That if you want spiritual fruit in your life, like, like love for people or joy in your connection to God or, or peace with your conscience or self-control against sin, the way that fruit comes by God's economy is by having roots, by gather, group, grow, give, and go. But his honest question for me was the first one. Does it really, Pastor? If I really want peace with God and joy in my life and self-control against temptation, do it? Do I have to gather? He, he said, our classmates realize that we have been hearing the same stuff for years. And our teachers told us we should keep going to church to grow in faith, but we've, we've heard everything. So why would I still go? You know, I give that young man an incredible amount of credit for being humble and honest enough to ask his pastor that question. And it's a good question because if you haven't had to wrestle with it yet, you will. Or someone you care very much about will wrestle with it. I mean, if you're a teenager here, that the time is coming when mom and dad won't be able to tell you what to do, when you'll get your own place or you'll go off on campus, and you'll have to decide, is it still worth going to church? Maybe if you're here just to, to hear the kids sing, or you're here stopping in with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you're going to have to wrestle with that question, well, why would I come back? If by chance you're not even here today, you're just watching this on TV or listening to a podcast, you're going to have to wrestle with that question. If God gives me the health and strength to attend a church next Sunday, why would I go? And I know I'm a pastor and it should seem so obvious, but as I was thinking through that question, in modern times, it's actually a better question than ever. I mean, people are busy. I don't know how busy people were a hundred years ago, but if your profession is anything like mine, it's, it's busier than ever before. About 50 years ago, the U.S. government predicted that advances in technology would mean that the average U.S. citizen would work about 20 hours a week. And if you haven't figured it out, they were dead wrong. <laughs> we work and we work and we work and the 40-hour work week for many people is a thing of the past. 50 hours in the office and then we bring our phones home and we return emails in bed on Saturdays and Sundays. And, and sometimes, you know, that block of time you have on the weekend is, is all you got to unplug and relax and and coming to church is hard. Used to be a generation ago that, that Sunday was like a Sabbath day, a, a sacred day, an untouchable day, but, but no longer. Now if you want your kid to play varsity sports, he's got to start 
in club and club doesn't take Sundays off and so there are tournaments and there are commitments. We scramble throughout the weekends and sometimes Sundays is the only time to get stuff done around the house. Sometimes we're just exhausted, our friends are in town or we're having a good time and coming to a place like this is hard. We're busy. And not only that, perhaps now more than ever, it's easy to replace what happens here in the comfort of our own homes. You know, I think about those five roots and, and I've realized that we can do almost all of that without being here. With the rise of social media, you don't need to come to church to find a spiritual community. You can connect, post Bible passages, pray for one another, and encourage each other digitally without stepping foot in a place like this. And you can grow. <laughs> I mean, you can listen to this very same message in the comfort of your own home. You could podcast me at double speed so it would be over in half the time. Uh, you could do devotions. You could open the YouVersion Bible app. You could hear better preachers than me and better music than this without stepping foot in this place. I'm glad he asked that question. And it's a question I want to answer with, with you today. Before I share with you what I shared with that young man before he left for his freshman year, I, I want to dive into just one chapter of the Bible that gives us not one and not two, but three solid answers to that question. Why gather? We're going to travel back about 3,000 years to the ancient songbook of the Bible, the book of Psalms, to a time when God inspired an anonymous author to give us great reasons to gather together in a place like this. It's called Psalm 92. You can find it smack dab in the middle of your Bible. And it begins in a really, really interesting way. Now, let me show you the introduction to Psalm 92. It says, A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. That's interesting. There are 150 songs in the book of Psalms, but that is the only one that begins with that specific title, For the Sabbath Day. And if you know much about the first pages of the Bible, you, you might remember that Sabbath is a Hebrew word that means rest. And when God gave the Ten Commandments to his people, when he rescued them from their slavery in Egypt, he commanded them to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. He didn't suggest, he, he ordered them to take one day, Saturday, every week to rest. But the question remains, why? <laughs> why did God command it? And why was it the custom of Jesus to do it? And why did Peter and Paul and all the people who came to follow Jesus follow in those footsteps? Well, that's what the rest of this psalm is going to answer for us. Uh, let's jump into Psalm 92 and we'll start with the first five verses. The psalmist says, It is good. To praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord! How profound your thoughts. So the psalmist says, It is good, and then he gives us a theme, right? To make music. It is good, he says, to make music to the music of the ten-stringed lyre. He talks about the melody of the harp and he sings for joy. And this first compelling reason that he gives is not what I'm doing now but what we've just done in worship to sing. Because there's something, there's something powerful about music, isn't there? 500 years ago, Martin Luther said that the second best gift that God has given to humankind after the Bible is music. 
is the, the way that we're wired to enjoy music. Your, your genre and your style might vary. Your radio station might not be the same as mine. But there's something, something powerful about music. And it's true not just out there in the world. It, it's true here for the people of God. In fact, what happens is fruit. I wonder if some of you uh, Bible Yoda experts in church today noticed that. We, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit today. Did anyone notice something about the, the passage behind me? I'll give you a clue. Look one more time. Love, faithfulness, and joy. Three of the nine fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. <laughs> what happens when we make music together? What, what happens when we sing is that the Holy Spirit produces fruit. <laughs> but hold up one sec. <laughs> if you're a more logical thinker here today, you, you might realize that I haven't exactly answered my original question. Because the question was, why church? And the power of music and singing the praises of God is something you could do at home. Couldn't you? I mean, you could take the same song from tonight's service. You could find the playlist online. You could YouTube it. You could worship. You could, like, find lessons to learn how to play the ten-string lyre. And I mean, you could do verses one through five in the comfort of your own home. Couldn't you? And the answer is yes. And I hope you do. If ten-string lyres are still cheap, I don't know. I haven't bought one in a while. We call that the grow roots. But, but there's still something powerful about being here and singing together. And you know it. In fact, let me show you one picture to, to prove that you know it. This picture. Why is it that some of you would battle the crowds and wait in line and pay 40 or 60 or $100 for good tickets to your favorite band? Are they going to play some shocking new music that you've never heard before? No. <laughs> for free, you could listen to all the favorite songs. You wouldn't have to leave the comfort of your couch. So why, why do we do it? Why here in this city, Appleton, Wisconsin, every August do tens of thousands of people pack downtown for a festival called Mile of Music? And you know the answer. Because part of music's power is what happens when we sing it together. When it's not just you in the car, it's not just you in the shower, when, when there are dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of voices joined together, there is power in song. Back in the 1960s, there was this famous preacher and some people asked him if they could record his messages for the radio and, and you know what he said? He said, only if you record the songs along with it. Because he knew that the message was only half the battle. And yeah, we love podcasts and, and we support media ministry but there's something extra. When we can combine the songs and the prayers, the confession, the creed and the message that focuses us on the love of God. So if you're taking notes, here's the psalmist's first argument. Why would we gather? Because gathers music, produces love, faithfulness, and joy. Three of the nine fruits of the Spirit. Psalmist continues in the second stanza with these words. He says, Senseless people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. 
All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. I hate that that's in the Bible. My wife spends too much money on essential oils. But there it is, people. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. You've, you've sensed that too, haven't you? That there are people who do not support the name of Jesus and they don't live out the love of Jesus. And, and sometimes, as he said in verse 6, they seem to spring up and they flourish. Go to your job, walk the average high school hallway, look at those who are popular and powerful and it's not always the people who love love or the God of love. Sometimes you do the right thing and you don't win. Sometimes nice guys don't finish first. But what does the psalmist know? That even though evildoers might flourish, in the end only God will be exalted. In the end, all the wicked will be scattered and, and God and his faithful people will triumph in the end. God knows that lies will not win and racism will not win and bigotry and hate will not win and injustice will not win when everything is done, when the score is finally settled, only Jesus and his people will win. Which is one of the many reasons why, why these people gathered. You might know one of the ugliest parts of America's history is when evildoers flourished by breaking the backs of God's black sons and daughters. But what happened after the work on the plantation was done is miraculous, if nothing else. Read the history and you would find white plantation owners who said they were Christian would, would open Bibles and force their slaves to come and worship. They would take passages, twist them out of context and, and wicked preachers would tell them that kidnapping, racism, torture, abuse and oppression was actually the will of God. But you know what happened after the sermon was over? Many of those slaves would gather. When the master wasn't there to twist the scripture, they would gather and they would remember the stories they heard about the God of, of this book. The God who once saved his enslaved people in Egypt. The God who said that justice would roll like a river. The, the God of Dr. King and, and so many like him who lifted up people who were impressed at, and victims of injustice and told them that judgment is coming. Evildoers might spring up but, but in the end, only God will be exalted. They reminded each other that evil will not win. Be faithful and endure to the end because he who stands firm will be saved. He would say that we gather together because gather's message produces patience and peace. Which brings us to our final stanza. In the last words of the psalm, the psalmist breaks into perhaps his best words of all. He says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. <laughs> I almost don't have to preach it, right? What happens? We flourish and we grow and we flourish again and we bear fruit. We stay fresh and we stay green and we find that we have this rock. We become like a cedar of Lebanon. You know what that means? 
Um, my friend Muhammad uh, is from Lebanon, and, and even still today, like in biblical times, the cedar trees grow, grow tall and they last long. A hundred feet tall, some of them over a thousand years old, the very cedars that built the temple in Jerusalem in the days of Solomon. That's what you become when you gather. And do you notice where it happens? In the house of the Lord, a place like this. In the courts of our God, a gathering like this. There's an old hymn that says, On Christ the solid rock I stand because all other ground is shifting sand. You ever notice that when, when you leave church, everything is like shifting sand? You, you, you thought you're going to do this this week and then it shifts on you. You, you thought your boss was going to tell you this and then she shifted on you. you. You thought your health was like this and it shifted on you. There are so many what ifs and, and what abouts. We can never be certain. We can never have that fruit of peace in our life until we remember that God is our rock. That Christ alone is our cornerstone. That Jesus made a promise to us that he would live a, a perfect life in our place and he did. That he would die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to live with a scarlet letter on your chest. And he did. That he would conquer death so if you're this close to death, you wouldn't have to be afraid of it. And he did. That he would ascend to the right hand of God and he would rule your city, your block, your street, your zip code, and your home for the good of his church. And he is. Out there, there is nothing that's certain and, and no wonder we live with anxiety and fear. But here, we remind each other that there is a Messiah, a Christ named Jesus. And he is faithful to every promise that he has made. And so what do we learn from the final verses? We learn this, our, our third and final points. That gathers Messiah, Jesus Christ, it produces fruit. The fruit of peace and joy and love and faithfulness. And that, that brothers and sisters, is why we're here. That's why I hope you come back. That's why I hope if you're listening to the sound of my voice as you drive down the highway, you come for the first time. Uh, that's what Letitia told me. <laughs> uh, Letitia is one of the many incredible people that serves on my sermon research team. Do you know how I have that? So every time I preach, I send questions and bounce ideas off about uh, 10 people from our church. They, they give me new things to think about, new perspectives. And, and I asked our sermon research team about this. Why do you do this? And let me show you what Letitia said. She said, not being at church feels empty and wrong. Not in a guilt type sense, but in the most important part of the week is missing kind of way. <laughs> I love that. Not some preacher twisting your arm, beating you over the head with a Bible, but how could I miss a chance to remember how incredible God is? Actually, I didn't finish Letitia's quote. Here's what she said next. <laughs> she said, I like to be like a squirrel in church. I'll bite and hoard all of the fruit inside my cheeks for a later date. Unquote. <laughs> that is an incredible quote. You know, sometimes the message doesn't get you today, but you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And sometimes the song doesn't give you incredible peace in the moment, but it'll come into your mind on Wednesday when that unexpected news hits. And like spiritual squirrels, we stuff as much Jesus in our cheeks because we know sometime during this week we are desperately going to need him. So here's my question. What's your next step? Here for those listening online, maybe your next step is to find a church. This one or some other that lifts up the name of Jesus and get connected. For some of you who are here today, maybe for the first time in your life, you're just going to decide that this is the Sabbath 
and you will keep it holy. That instead of figuring out next weekend if you're busy or if you have time or if people are going to be around, this is just going to be a rock-solid part of your schedule and your calendar because you believe that you would miss something really important if you weren't here, that this root produces incredible fruits. And if you're ready to make that commitment, I, I want to help. Here's my promise to you. Next week at church, we're going to have it at the same time. <laughs> and the same place, <laughs> the same day of the week. <laughs> so we'll be here with Jesus if you're ready for more of him. But what about for those of you that I see every Sunday? What's your next step? Well, maybe here's one idea. What if you studied the words of one song before you came? I've noticed this about music, that it can move my heart and it can become my favorite tune, but instead I actually stop and read the words, I miss about 90% of what the author was trying to communicate. We publish our, our playlist, our song list, uh, days before the Sunday service itself. What if you went online and you just picked one of those songs and you read the lyrics and you found the meaning so that when we sang it and we lifted up our voices, we weren't just reading from here, we were singing from here. What about those of you with kids, if you would make a playlist of all four songs so that when you came to church, instead of zoning out and waiting for the pastor to be done talking, they would stand up and they would sing because they know these lyrics and they know this God. I don't know what your next step is, but, but I know this, that that root, if you give it enough time, will produce incredible fruit. And that's what I told that 18-year-old. Pastor, why, why should I keep going to church? Here's my answer. I said, you, you know, you're right. You know a lot about Christianity. But Christianity isn't just about what you know. It's about how you love. Jesus said that the two most important things for a human being would be to love God with their whole heart, to treasure him and trust him above anything in this world and to love every single human being, every neighbor as themselves. And I told him, you have no clue. You have no clue this next year how many things will compete for first place in your heart. How many things, popularity or money or privilege or status or a career or money will fight to take the throne from Jesus in your heart. And you have no clue how hard it's going to be to love. To be on campus with Christian and atheist, with Muslim and Buddhist, with LGBTQ and pansexual, with people who love the church and who hate it, with men and women, with young and old, with Republican and Democrat and Libertarian and everything. You have no clue how hard it will be to love everyone as much as you love yourself. So man, here's what we're going to tell you. If you want that kind of fruit, don't forget about the root. Your mom and dad have given you 18 years of roots in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you have any faith, it's because of that. So don't uproot yourself and expect the same amount of fruit. But if you're ready to have faith and joy and love next year like you have this year, keep your roots. Now that young man isn't here today. He's on, on campus. And, and I pray that this podcast is, is not his only connection to Jesus. I pray today and next week and next month he's planted in the house of God. Because here's what I just learned. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. Even into old age, they will bear fruit. 
So brothers, sisters, if you want more fruit, do not forget about this gather root. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for church. I thank you for people who modeled this as, as not a burden and an obligation, but a privilege. A chance to bless other people and to be blessed by other people. I thank you, God, for everyone who's here today. They may not know it, but, but I was encouraged. I, I worshipped you. I remembered how worthy you are of all my praise because of their voices and it would not have been the same without them. And so I pray, God, that we would see this as a high responsibility and a great opportunity for our faith. That we gather here today, not just for ourselves, but for people who are struggling, people who need to hear the sound of our voice, for young men who come to church who don't have a father in their life and it's going to be the guy who just happens to sit behind them who sings in his deep voice the praises of Jesus Christ. The person who feels guilt and shame for their sexual sin and they show up and see a sexual sinner and know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. For the person from a recovery group who sees that familiar face from the weekly recovery meeting and they know that if they can be saved, maybe everyone can. And so I pray God, every week until our health makes it impossible that we would gather here today that we would believe you that this root produces incredible fruit. I thank you, God, for our church. I thank you for everyone who encouraged us to be here. And I pray that you would now keep your promise that this word would not come back empty but it would change us in time to your glory. I pray all these things, God, in your incredible name and everyone who agreed with this prayer joined their voices and they said, Amen. You do not want to end up like this tree uprooted after a storm. And that's why I wrote this new book that I'd love for you to get. It's called Rooted, Your Sure Hope in the Storms of Life. None of us can prevent the storms of life. We go through hardship, pain, and suffering. But when you have good roots in Jesus, when you're connected to his word, his promises, you can hold on to your peace, to your hope, even your spiritual joy in the toughest times of life. And that's why I believe you need this new book called Rooted. This book is our way of saying thanks for your support as we connect more people to God's grace. Get your copy by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin 53201, or text the word TIME to 313131 to give today. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about the incredible impact that earthly things like money can make. You know, no one can buy a ticket to get into heaven, but when we support the spread of the Gospel, more and more people can hear about the Jesus who is the ticket to heaven. So especially to all of you who are our Grace Partners, uh, who make a monthly donation, thank you so much for your support. My wife and I actually joined you this past year, deciding to support this ministry as we got more and more connected to it. And we would be honored if you would join us in that journey. I had a chance on social media to connect with a young man from the Dominican Republic and share the gospel of Jesus with him. At the same time, a man reached out to our ministry from Pakistan, grateful that we were talking about Jesus. All these races and all these cultures and yet we come together on the one thing that matters most, the gospel of Jesus. Now, we would be honored by your monthly gift that helps us to take the message of Jesus and give more hope and more peace and more joy to more people. Now, would you consider supporting our mission to spread the gospel to all the nations? Time of Grace doesn't end here. We offer so much more. Visit us at timeofgrace.org. You'll discover resources to help you in your walk of faith. These include blogs, 
Grace Moment devotionals, and our prayer wall. You can also stay encouraged with our daily video devotionals. Connect with us on social media. Join our Facebook group where you'll meet a strong community of believers. Follow us on Instagram and get an inside look at our ministry. And if you need someone to pray for you, call us or visit our prayer wall. Thank you so much for your support. We'll see you here again next week. The preceding program was sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace.